medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. Chinese medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Chiological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of Chinese medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese medicine. Listen into these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. 
I love how technology can help to automate my office, and I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Hey everyone, welcome back to Geological. Today, my guest is Stacy Whitcomb. Stacy, unlike many of the guests that I have on the show that have got years and years and years of experience with acupuncture, Stacy is about to graduate from the um, Oregon College of Oriental Medicine. So she's brand new, and, there, and there's a twist to why she's here today. And that twist is we're going to be talking about business. Stacy has a lot of years as a massage therapist. She's built a small portable home that she lives in. She absolutely hates breakfast. And she describes herself as a serial introvert. So this ought to be an interesting show. Serial introvert here to discuss why she's totally psyched about building a business. I can't wait to get into this. Stacy, welcome to Geological. Uh, thanks for having me, Michael. I'm excited to be here. I'm pretty psyched about having you here, too, because, you know, a lot of people in our field, especially a lot of people that are starting out in our field, have got some real anxieties about building a business. In fact, if they could go get themselves a J-O-B, they'd do it in a heartbeat. But, you know, if anyone has looked closely before they went to acupuncture school, they'd realize that there's not many jobs. You know, if you want to make a living as an acupuncturist, you're probably going to have to build your own business. Lots of us see that as a challenge, but in some conversations I've had with you, you're like chomping in the bit. You can't wait to do it. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. I did it once before with the massage practice and it was actually fun. I mean, there were parts of it definitely that, that I didn't enjoy and there's a pretty steep learning curve, but I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to it again. I mean, we all know about the steep learning curve and we'll probably get into some of that a little later in the show. Building a business as fun? What kind of freak are you? <laughs> I think you're in the business of you. And I think a lot of times where there's so much trepidation for people coming out of school is that they think that they have to do all of these things that they don't want to or they've been trying to avoid because they didn't go into business. And I think what they're missing is that you you know who you are, or hopefully you're figuring out who you are. And you you take that you take your strengths and you, you run with that. There's, there's no right way to do business. I mean, there's definitely some wrong ways to do business. But there's no right way you, you have to learn what works for you and then run with that. So having to learn what works for you and running with that. I mean, that sounds really nice. But it sounds like there's a ton of failure that goes along the way figuring that out. 
Absolutely. How do you deal with that? You laugh about it. (laughs) (laughs) You laugh about it. You can't take it seriously. I've said stupid things to people in places where I thought they were somewhat had higher power than me or were, you know, more refined business people or more experienced or whatever. I, at one point I just decided that I was going to knock on the doors and if they opened, then I'm going to go through them. And if they didn't open, I was just going to turn around and find another one. You just keep moving. All right. So I'm a little curious about this. Because you are a self-described serial introvert, (laughs) right? Yeah. Knocking on doors sounds like Miss Extrovert to me. How does an introvert go knocking on doors? I'm an extroverted introvert. Is that a Chinese medicine diagnosis? (laughs) Yeah, Yang within Yin, right? Or is that be right? I think so. So I actually find it exhilarating to do, and I love interacting with people. I really enjoy it. But being around people drains me. That's, you know, your kind of your standard definition of an introvert. The way that introverts recharge is by being alone. Or sometimes, you know, just being with one or two people is fine. But, you know, introverts recharge by being alone. And so I would say business is often an extrovert's world, even though introverts have so much to contribute. It's hard. And I like it. I do get nervous. I do get where I have to just move before I overthink something and just go for it. But ultimately, I sort of like the stage, honestly. You know, but when it's time to step off and and, uh, recoup, I definitely need to be alone. Right. So it sounds like for you, there's, there's a time for some action and you really jump into it. And then there's time for rest and recharge and you settle into that as well. Absolutely. Right. So you've built a business before, and and I suspect that there are some people in our acupuncture world, maybe they've got a business background, or maybe they, like me, my family, a lot of my extended family didn't have jobs. They had small businesses. Like having a job was almost a curious idea, right? You don't have a job, you have a business, right? So some of us get a little leg up that way and that some of us have experience like, like you've got. And then there's the folks that are like, oh my God, I'm going to do a business. How on earth do I even begin? So for those folks that are in the, how on earth do I even begin? Can you kind of pull back the curtain? I mean, you're at the beginning of starting your acupuncture business. What are some of the pathways that you see yourself going down? And what are some of the early on things that you feel like you need to get online to make this business run? So I've been thinking about this a lot. I haven't constructed everything and outline, et cetera, which I will eventually, but right now I'm just playing with a lot of ideas. But I really feel like if a person has never had their own practice, I really feel like probably one of the best places they could start would be to lease a space within an already existing practice with some pretty kind and open and sharing individuals, which this is the medicine for that. So I think that's a really good place to start. I I feel like a mentor is not a bad idea. And I know OCOM has a mentoring program where you can find an alumni that has done what you're going to about ready to do. That's important uh, because you need someone to talk to. You need to make sure that your bases are covered because you don't know what you're doing. It's really good to have that type of feedback. You know, that's definitely something that I'm considering as my startup is just uh, leasing a couple rooms in an already existing practice. 
for one, you don't have, well, we can talk about the money later, but you don't want to spend a bunch of money in the beginning. And to share expenses is, is a pretty sweet deal. To have that uh, responsibility all on your own is, I mean, you don't even have people coming in yet. That seems silly. So to share expenses would be a, a great idea. Yeah. I mean, definitely at the beginning, it's kind of a bootstrap operation. Well, I hope it is. I mean, this is what I see that makes me nervous about other students is that they're trying to figure out how to borrow, how to borrow an- another whatever, 20 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand to start a business. Really? I didn't know that people thought that way. That's very interesting. I, I can certainly tell you from my side, being out of debt is a superpower. I, I totally agree. Being in debt is it just drains your life force. It's, it's not, and people don't really realize that. I totally agree with you. It, so yes, that is something that people, that people think about. And I think they think about that because that's what Western medical doctors do if they're going to open their own private practice. And they can kind of get away with that because they're going to jump out of the gate and often many of them are going to make money more quickly than we ever would. And more, of course. Your idea about this is not be cheap. In other words, you know, recognize value, recognize that money and value are not the same thing. But do what you can to start off as inexpensively as possible. Try not to borrow. How do you sort of suss out the difference between being cheap in a way that actually hamstrings you and being money-wise in a way that helps your future success? So to back up for a sec real quick, I actually have a little motto that I constantly think about, and that's use what you have and do what you know, or do what you know and use what you have, and that's it. Don't do more. Don't try and figure out more. You can only use what you have and do what you know. So I think what you're asking me, Michael, let me, let me kind of throw it back at you, is how do you do this and not look cheap? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Well, well, no, it's it's not about not look cheap. It's about, and this is just something that I have discovered over years of successfully arguing for my limitations. Sometimes I do things on the cheap and it actually backfires. It actually causes me to take the long way around. It actually gets in the way of development, right? There's so many things online these days that are free. So you go like for the free website, instead of actually throwing down on a nice WordPress website. And then that company goes bust, you know, or you build your business on Facebook. That's not your domain. That's someone else's domain. They change the rules, you disappear. I mean, it seemed like a good idea because it was air quotes free. So, so that's what I mean. Sometimes free is not such a good idea. I think that's a learning curve and, and that those things are going to happen. But if you chalk them up as learning experiences, well, you already built your first website. Now you get to build another one (laughs) and you're going to be much better at it the second time. You have to evaluate the word free because free means you're not going to pay money for it, but it often means that you're going to pay your time for it. Time has a lot of value. Time is just as important as money. And if you're going to suck up my time, you know, I have a, I have a dollar amount in my head that I I'm trying to sort of program myself to believe that I'm worth so that I can make that. If you're going to take up my time or I'm going to choose a project like that, I need to calculate what my time is worth and then decide if I want to spend money on it or not. In other words, I'm not tech savvy. We had to develop a website in school 
on uh, Wix. At the end of it, he asked us what we learned. And I said that I learned that I never, ever want to. And I probably, of course, will go do it because when you start a business, you don't have anything to do <laughs> except for put time in, into your business. But, you know, I hope not to. I hope maybe I can find somebody who will trade or do, you know, we can work something out. But I learned that I don't ever want to do that. I don't want to spend my life force doing that. I'd rather pay money. I'd rather pay money. So I think you need to evaluate what your time is worth or what your value is. And where, and where your skills lie. Exactly. Like I said, in the beginning, time's all I've got. You know, I don't exactly have money. So I'm going to need to spend my time because I won't be having a lot of money. So. so instead of getting a loan and spending it on managing people to do things for you, you're going to bootstrap it, invest your time. I'll pay for the things that I absolutely can't do, obviously, or that would be a huge mistake to do. Like you websites. Know, I'll have like, <laughs> probably, yeah. Uh, I'll have a, an accountant, you know, I'll have somebody set my books up because those are the things from the beginning that you really don't want to screw up because that money, you know, getting in a situation where you owe lots of money when you don't have it is, it, it'll bite you. Yeah. You talk, don't want that. talk to us a little bit about, about that. I mean, a lot of us don't have a, any background in accounting other than, uh, oh, how much money is in my wallet? What are some things that people that are about to start their business probably don't know about accounting, but you've discovered over the years of, of having run businesses? What are like the top three things about getting your money thing together that new practitioners should know about? Obviously, you need to have an accountant. This isn't something that unless you have, unless you were an accountant in a previous lifetime, probably not something that you should mess around with because there are so many changes. And I mean, year to year, everything's different. And that's what their job is, is keep up on all of that. I feel like my experience in the past has shown me that you need to talk to your friends who are in business, who your friends who you really gel with and vibe with, who are similar to you, or maybe have similar practices as you or what you want, and uh, talk to get an interview with an accountant, you really, really need to get along with your accountant and feel good when you're in the room with your accountant. The way they manage your taxes and do things can either cause you lots of stress or you could be really relieved. I just really feel like you need to know your accountant. And it's not that expensive. I mean, well, for my business, it really was not that expensive to have an accountant, you know, and then you can have that accountant. If you like that accountant, have them suggest a bookkeeper that they work with and have them do a one-time thing and set your books up. And then you keep track of your books for a while. You also need to have your own business account, but they're going to tell you all of those things, you know, I don't need to tell it. Right. You don't want to commingle the business and the personal funds. That's like a gigantic IRS no-no. Yeah. And this is where having a mentor really comes in. Like in the very beginning, there's so much licensing paperwork and, you know, so many things, so many more hoops that we have to jump through and we're exhausted and we, it, rarely is it all outlined. Step one, step two, how to be, how to become licensed, how to get your business license, how to contact an, you know, an attorney or what malpractice insurance to buy and what, um, I mean, there's so many decisions to make and so many more little hoops to jump through. It's exhausting. I think it's really important to have a mentor who you can be like, Hey, I'm opening my doors. And they're like, okay, do you have everything in order? You know, do you have your malpractice insurance? Do you have this? Do you have that? Like, 
there's just a lot. So I think it's important to have somebody kind of to just make sure that you're on track. Mentor sounds like a great idea. That just sounds like a uh, serious chi tonification for the business. Yeah, well, you're going to make mistakes. You know, it's it's just easier if somebody's got their their eye on what you're doing a little bit for a while to make sure that you don't make their mistakes, you know, and they'll be happy to help you. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical, and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind, and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at Anne Cecil Sturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. So I found that's true. People often, especially if you're listening and paying attention, there are people out there that are really, really happy to help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, after, after so many years as a massage therapist with my practice, if anybody ever contacted me, I was always ready to go have coffee or whatever to help somebody out for sure. Okay. Let's, uh, let's shift this just a little bit. I mean, you really seem like a cheerleader for business. What is it about business that you like so much? And in particular, what excites you about having an acupuncture business? So it's going to sound funny, but actually what I like the most is just the connection with people. It's also sort of one of the things that I like most about or I'm looking forward to in practicing acupuncture is the connection with people. I love people's stories. I love to, to, to know where they're coming from and where they're going and what excites them and, you know, all of that. For me, business is really about building relationships and networking. And as an acupuncturist or having an acupuncture practice, you know, everyone will tell you a million times over, word of mouth is the best marketing. It's the best way to get patients. It is. Of course, Uncle Google gossiping about you doesn't hurt either. Oh, well, that's good to know. I started a long time ago, the massage practice, and I never had an online presence because by the time it was really important to have an online presence, I didn't actually need one. And so I didn't even bother. Okay, so there it is. there's that power of word of mouth. That's the refinement right there. You can get referrals from all over the place. You can get referrals everywhere. You go do your BNI, go do all these random different things. But the people that re- refer to you are either people that you've developed networks with and have a personal connection to or your patients and the people that they refer to you are like them. So you develop this circle of people or people who support you and you support each other that you really like. And then you really like your patients (laughs) and it just keeps going. It's great. 
So I, I really like that. So when you say networking, because even though I have a podcast show, I'm actually kind of an introvert as well. So I totally get it. So when I think about going to do some sort of networking event, honestly, I'd rather go have root canal. Yeah, but how do you feel when you get there? I don't like it. I mean, by and large, I mean, this is just me. By and large, if I'm going to a network, like it, there's some luncheon put on by some meetup or um, I've been invited to a few BNIs. Oh, my God, I couldn't wait to get out. I was just like ready to chew my leg off. And I know that this kind of thing works for some people and they really thrive on it. And I know there are people that do health fairs and they thrive on it. But honestly, I want to chew my leg off. Why? How did it make you feel when you were there? I'm just, I just don't like it. I'm anxious. I just, I'd rather be anywhere but there. I just don't like it. For whatever reason, it's oil, I'm water, it's not happening. I've found other ways of getting my, myself out there in the world, but it's not through those kinds of networking events. I'm, you know, I belong to social clubs or different groups. We have shared interests and I get plenty of referrals from them. So I think it, for me, it's just been a matter of, choosing the groups where I like hanging out and I hang out there. But the ones that I don't like hanging out in, I've given myself permission just to like nix it. Which is great. That's exactly what I was talking about at the very beginning about you have to know yourself, use what you have and do what you know. Like that's the exact thing. Like if you're not going to dive at those places, then they're not going to work for you. If you're miserable, you can't possibly be emitting any great connection energy to anybody else. You just want to get the heck out of there. <laughs> you know, like you, you can't do that. It's not even. Oh, yes, I, I have plenty of experience. Yeah. And I've done it, too. And I agree with you. I'm not. I, of course, you know, it's so funny because being new again, of course, I'm going to run out and try BNI again. Just just to make sure, you know, it's been what? 20 years since I did BNI, I know I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to go try it. And the reason I don't like it, and I, I don't know if you've identified, of course, that kind of thing makes me anxious. Oh, and this is so not going to get me favored by a lot of people. That's okay. Let it rip. That, it feels heartless. It feels selfish. It feels vampire-ish. People go there because they want business. They want people to come to their business. To me, networking is, hey, I like you. You know, I like what you're doing. I think what you're doing is great. Let's, let's help each other. And I realized that, that that's, that's what B&I is supposed to, or those groups, excuse me, a group like that, a networking group like that is supposed to be about. But what I feel from other people is how can I get that acupuncturist to refer somebody to so that I can build their fence in their backyard. How I, oh, I'm going to go meet her. I have no. I don't care who she is, but I want her to know who I am. That's how I feel at those places. It's it's just it just feels selfish. It doesn't feel right. Well, we we may have to check in with you on another program down the road and, and see what your BNI or you know similar type group <laughs> sure. experience is like, and and if you found something worthwhile in it, or if your past experience holds true. Yeah, well, and I maybe I just I just keep hoping that there's some like I don't know, sweet, kind, loving unicorn group of BNI. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I agree with you. Um 
I think when I finally gave that up and let go of like all of these things that I had to do in the name of business that I actually was hating, you know what I finally did was I, so I'm a cyclist and I joined a group and that group is, uh, also sponsors a team and I went on group rides all the time. When I'm starting my business, I'm in my head nine to five or whatever, you know, 10 to six focusing on business. How can I get this going? It's an all day adventure. Even if I don't have patience, I started going on afternoon rides. That was one of my main sources of getting patients. I had one person show up and get a massage and he told everybody. And so I had to start carrying business cards in my back pocket when I went out on rides and I loved it and I loved meeting them and they met me and they felt safe with me. So they came to see me. This, to me, makes a lot of sense in terms of, I'm using the word loosely, networking. Finding the place where you click, finding the place where you thrive. You know, And it might be a BNI thing, or it might be a health fair kind of thing. Some people do really, really well with that. And some of us were like anaphylactically allergic. So yeah, find the place where you fit. The vibe is going to be a whole lot better, right? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I'm going to throw this out there too, because I feel like you have to be really careful, especially in Idaho, massage is not considered a medical practice. We weren't considered medical practitioners, uh, so we were not regulated by HIPAA, and we were not under any obligation to, I mean, we could be friends with our clients, and you know, it, it, it didn't really matter that much, and I, I really feel like in my head, I'm like, wow, I need to hit reset on that a little bit because from experience, things work much better when you're not friends with your patients. <laughs> you know, it's easier to stay focused in the treatment room. It's easier to not flub something up in public. It's, you know, so there's that whole bit that I feel like in my future is going to be a little bit of a balancing act, especially if this is going to be part of my marketing is doing something that I love. And it's also a social activity. So you know, it's, it's learning balance. Absolutely. You, you get to learn something about boundaries. Yeah. And it is something that I feel like watching other students, because I have experience with it in the past and I was cognizant of it always when I was a massage therapist, but watching other practitioners learn while they're interns and kind of start discovering those boundaries. I feel like, woof, boy, it, you know, you have to be really careful there for sure. That is the mindful side of uh, the whole networking thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, I suspect, because you're here at the end of your acupuncture education, you probably hear lots of people talking about how they're going to get out and what they're going to do um, and how they're going to work it. I, I suspect you probably have heard some people say things and you go, wow, that just doesn't sound like a good idea. What would you say are some of the common, you know, besides borrow money to start your practice, what are some of the common mistakes or illusions that people have about starting a business? Actually, that's a tough question. Um, I know seemingly it would be easy, but at the end of acupuncture school, we're all so incredibly wiped out. Nobody wants to do anything for at least three months. <laughs> people aren't really talking about it that much. We just getting through boards. And I don't think anybody's particularly <laughs> excited. 
<laughs> about running out and starting a practice. I mean, we're just so incredibly wiped out and burnt out. But of course, people have to. You know, I'm, I'm in a, also a, a rather unique place in that Portland, there are a lot of acupuncturists in Portland because NUNM is here as well as OCOM. You know, we're looking at probably, I don't know, over 100 grads per year coming out. And uh, 50%, I don't even know what the percentage is of people staying here, but they really start looking for jobs. That's really what I see the most of. People looking for a J-O-B. Yeah, yeah. It's more, I, I don't hear a lot about how I'm going to start my business or my practice. I've seen one or two over the last couple of years. You know, I saw somebody lease a space and throw a bunch of money into it and have this huge multi-room practice that is kind of empty. But, and when I asked her about it, she said that the space was a really good deal. So I, I, I'm not going to, I don't know what happened there. Maybe, you know, if you have the right situation, well, that could work because you could always bring somebody else in or, you know, maybe it was a very unique opportunity. It looked, it looked precarious to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're kind of the bootstrap girl. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, who's to say what her financial situation really is? I don't know. It's none of my business, but that looked a little precarious really mostly. And it sounds crazy, but my friends have found jobs. I have a couple friends that graduated last year that have started practices. And I think it's, you know, you're hungry for a while. That's for sure. But that's what makes you work on your website at 1030 at night. Well, it's true. Exactly. And you I know, probably, or 1030 in the afternoon, if you don't have patience, well, just all day. <laughs> if you're as tech savvy as I am, it's just going to take you probably like three weeks to do that. Yeah. Conven conveniently, I used to be in high tech. So <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. my own it's, IT department. Yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna go so smoothly for me, I'm sure. But I have time. We had a class where they, they oh, and I just couldn't hardly sit there. They brought in a, um, a banker to discuss credit, to discuss how to make your credit look good, which, uh, you know, actually, quite frankly, is something that you should know. But I also, I don't have credit cards. I don't do debt. I don't do that kind of thing. Like, you don't have it in the bank. You don't spend it. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did.
Could you just say that again? <laughs> I don't know. I, I love that phrase. If you don't have it in the bank, you don't have it to spend. That's, yeah. Yeah. What a concept, right? So not the American way. Well, it's not the American way at this point in time. But again, having grown up in a family of people that had small businesses, that's the way it was. So I graduated with a lot of millennials. I mean, our age group was 25 to 35. And, you know, they're having babies in the middle of school and racking up debt. And, you know, I hear, oh, we're going to buy a house or, you know, we're going to. And I and I just it makes me cringe. It makes me scared for them because you just can't do that. You're so precarious when you do all of that, when you rack up that much debt and your business is going to fail if you do that because you have to have stuff in the bank for when things don't go well. You know, you need to have a reserve. And so how much of a reserve do you think people should have? Oh, that's complicated, right? Because not only if you're, if you're your own business person, you need your own reserve. You really need to think about that. It depends on how old you are, how healthy you are. And, of course, there's always accidents. Uh, I think you should have, oh, man, which seems so unrealistic, but it's true. You really should have, for your own person, six months of overhead expenses socked away. If not, if not at least three. That's your mortgage, your car payment, whatever. I mean, you, you need to know what it takes to cover your life, whatever your paycheck is or whatever, you know, cover your life. But then you also have to have the business part too, because if you don't show up to work, you're not going to make any money, <laughs> you know. Uh, I've noticed that. Yeah, it's brutal. Those vacations cost you double what they really feel like. Like <laughs> Yes, yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people who own, who have jobs don't really realize that. When you go on vacation, it costs you the vacation plus the time that you've lost at work. It's crazy. Anyway, so you should have same thing with your business expenses, at least to cover the basic, the basics. Uh, you should have three to six months of that too, you know, which is insane coming from the beginning. That's why we want to keep everything low cost, low cost overhead in the beginning, you know. It definitely can free you up not having bills to pay because you can put that money into your business or you can put it into the uh, reserve fund. One of the things that I found is helpful is I do this every two weeks, actually. I take a certain amount of the money that, that my business has earned. I've got a certain percentage. And I just move that over to savings. Because that way I keep building that reserve. And if the money's in savings where I can't see it, then I don't miss it. Yeah, but how often do you go look at it? Because it feels really good, doesn't it? <laughs> The difference between having something put away in case something happens and not having something there makes for completely different kinds of sleep at night. Yeah. Well, and you never know. Like, you may come upon an opportunity. What if you want to buy the building? All of a sudden, it comes up for sale. Well, if you're living by patient, by patient, by patient, you're not going to be able – you're never going to have those opportunities. So I believe in education. So I, this is something, too, that I kind of wanted to talk about. We're such students, right? We've been in school forever. And while, of course, it's time to be done, it's also time to start picking up things that new things to learn. And if you want to learn how to have a good business or be a good business person or just 
be a, I don't know, a good version of what you think is a business person. It's time to listen to the podcasts and it's time to read the books and it's time to get better at that. The reason that we don't like things is because we're not good at them. Right. Yeah. And sometimes we avoid them because we're not good at them. Yeah. And nothing's easy until you know how to do it. It's time to start finding those podcasts where people, you know, like Simon Sinek, the guy is totally entertaining. Uh-huh. Simon Sinek. Oh, give us, give us your top three. What podcasts concerning business do you like? There's Simon Sinek. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I just pulled up and was starting to research the top because of course I haven't done this in a while. Uh, the top ones. And I really do like Simon Sinek. I think he's got some great ideas, but he's more of like, oh, his ideas are great, but he doesn't give you practical steps. You know, he gives you concepts, which is great. I'm going to say Dave Ramsey for the content. There are some things about Dave that that you may or may not jive with, but ultimately the content on your finances is really good there. He's like this super duper financial dude, as I recall. Dave Ramsey is like, he, he himself went bankrupt and then his whole purpose became about like how to get out of it and then how to teach other people. He's pretty political and he's pretty religious. You know, if that's not you, I, I really encourage like a lot of people are turned off by him automatically because of that. But his content is so good. If you can just get through the rest of it and just let it be all that other stuff, his content, his content's great. I don't have a third podcast off the top of my head. Maybe one will come to me. Yeah. Okay. Do you have one? If you think of one later, you can email me because I'm going to put all this stuff on the uh, show oh, notes yeah. of the website. Okay. Do you have one? Actually, I've been listening to audiobooks more lately than podcasts. Honestly, I don't really have anyone that I'm listening to for business right now, other than the occasional person on Tim Ferriss. Sometimes I'll listen to Tim Ferriss is such a nutcake. I love him. Um, but sometimes he's got some really interesting people and some really interesting business people on his show and I'll listen to them. I was waiting for you to answer and I was sitting here going, oh my gosh, when he stops talking, I have to tell him that I think Tim Ferriss is a hack. He's got, <laughs> is a hack? I think he's just out selling books. Well, he's partly selling books, but come on, he gets he gets interesting people on like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's Yeah, but do you really think there's a four hour work week? Oh, come on, that's just a draw. We all we all we all got a tagline and he'll tell you there's no four hour work week. Look at that guy. He works his entire life. Exactly. But his book, <laughs> The Four Hour Work Week, is like it's just ridiculous. It's he's just selling books to make money. Oh, you know, I totally have a different point of view on that. I know. I know. So I need to go back and review that. Maybe my opinion will change. But I, I think the four-hour work week is about optimizing your life and stop doing stupid stuff to distract yourself. The funny thing is when you're trying to figure out how to maximize your work time, you actually think that that's possible to have a six-hour or four-hour work week. I can't remember if it's a six-hour work week or four. But I anyway, I think it depends on the business that you got. <laughs> I just, I just think you're right. It's about efficiency. It, but I mean, that's not an acupuncture business, but it might be <laughs> a product that you sell on the internet business. Yeah, I mean, hint, 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 acupuncturists out there, a little internet sideline of some sort that makes money. Not a bad sure. idea. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll go back. I'll go back okay. to Tim Ferriss. It just <laughs> what I would encourage you to do is go to the podcast. 
and listen to some of the guests, especially those that have some really big, interesting business background. There are some brilliant people out there that have ways of thinking about business that are so different from the way that us, you know, regular civilians think about it. And it's just helpful to get a bigger perspective. Like you listen to Simon Sinek. There's another guy that I love to pieces. Uh, his name is Jerry Colonna. Jerry used to be a venture capitalist. He's got a really interesting backstory. I'm not going to go into it, but those of you that, that might want to check him out, just go Google him. I'll put some links to some of his stuff up as well. He's got a podcast he does called Reboot, reboot.io. And it's mostly about dealing with big time entrepreneurs. And he's a coach to these people. While you may not think that a acupuncturist starting out is a completely different animal than a big time entrepreneur, the truth is we're, we're in some ways cut from the same cloth because big time entrepreneurs, generally speaking, are not in it for the money. They're in it to do something important, right? They just might have a big vision that requires lots of money. And there's all kinds of ways that we hamstring ourselves in getting from where we are to the vision that we have of what we want. And Jerry is flipping brilliant. When I need a dose of something to kind of break my frame of reference in all the best ways, um, I, I turn to him. Nice. Yeah. We'll check it out. We'll so check that, it that's out. That's what I got. Yeah. Any other thoughts that you have? Any little gems that you'd like to share with uh, our colleagues here that are just about to set out on this jaunt of... Uh, entrepreneurial self-employment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So funny. I was thinking about this, you know, for the last couple of days. If you ask me what I think the most important thing is in setting up your acupuncture practice, it's the same thing with everything else. It's location, 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 right? Maybe that is um, that changes. It used to be brick and mortar where are you going to be in your location, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be on the main drag, but you need to really think about where your location is in alignment with who your target market is. And what does that look like? And what's it going to look like when they get out of the car? And what's it going to look like? Or is it easy for them to get out of the car? You know, like I see so many mistakes there. I guess maybe that's a massage experience, but, but or a massage practice experience, but it's also, I mean, do you want referrals from a bunch of medical doctors? Well, then be in a medical arena practice, you know, be, be close to them because your patients will associate that. But I live in Portland and there are so many acupuncturists here. And the ones I remember are the ones on the signs that I see that I pass every single day. And that's a big deal. You know, people that the importance of that can't be underestimated. And, and it's okay later Later, if you need to move or you want to move and, and you can, you know, if your practice is full and flourishing and growing and, you know, if you want to move somewhere that's a little more obscure or not as visible, I think that's probably okay. You know, I did that with my massage practice and I was fine. But in the beginning, you want people to see your name, you know, and driving by is where people stare at signs, <laughs> you know. So I just think that's really important and it's overlooked often. Great. Yeah. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for being on the show and, and sharing all of this with us. I wish you tremendous success and a lot of joy with your uh, soon to be new acupuncture practice. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun, Michael. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.